Hello and welcome to Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Holly, the editor of Health and Wellbeing, and each episode, you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by some of the magazine team to pick out things from that walk that we want to put into action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen too. And if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you can download the question pack from healthwellbeing.com. We would love to hear it. Right now though, for our second episode, we're about to join Julia Samuel, one of the UK's leading counsellors, author of Sunday Times bestseller, This Too Shall Pass, and host of her new podcast, A Living Loss, The Art of Losing and Finding Yourself, as she steps out of her front door in North Somerset in May 2021. Just a note before we start, in this episode, Julia does touch upon some difficult topics, including miscarriage and mortality, so please do take care if this is an issue that affects you. So, I'm going on a regular walk that I go on early morning, about half past six, seven in the spring and summer, and about quarter to eight in the winter, which takes me out of my front door, down the garden, and I can see fields in front of me. Today is a lovely warm spring day, although it hailed earlier, and I can see amazing trees, oak trees, and beech trees, and they are not quite budding, but I can see little tips of green. And now I've turned a corner, and I can see a big lake and swans on the lake and there's a little island and they're nesting and lots of geese. I love the ritual of this walk. I could do other walks, but I think rituals, doing the same walks regularly, kind of elevate the habit into a positive well-being ritual so that my whole emotional system expects to feel good on this walk and the moving and being in these familiar lovely places I can see primroses I can see bluebells enables me so when I expect to feel good we I know as human beings we're we're habit forming beings and where we develop these good habits of expecting to have nice experiences then those experiences are enhanced by the enhanced by the expectation So I'm walking down some steps and these were steps that were hidden when we first came to this place and my little daughter found them and we cleared all the brambles and the weeds and so now they're called Sophie's Steps and they're very old, they're stone with moss and they're kind of rickety 
but that gives me a warm feeling too, connecting me to my daughter. So I'm going down the last steps and now I'm going through, I think one of the early, um, what do they call those gates where you wheel? I can't even remember what they're called, but it's about 1780, this gate. And I can see the lake. I can see a waterfall. I can see a boat that hasn't been out yet this year. Um, I'm looking up and I can see the pigeons and the blue sky and some clouds and the familiarity of it, the regularity of it. I feel a kind of warmth inside and a sense of well-being. And I also know physiologically that moving in the morning, having light in the morning recalibrates your melatonin and your circadian rhythm and that helps you sleep. So it all is, feels very positive. So your next question, who's really nailing your well, their well-being in your life? A friend, family member, someone you follow on Insta, someone who inspires you. What about them do you wish to try to emulate? That's a really good question. Who in my life is nailing their well-being? I think about my family who, I guess I know their habits better than anybody else's. Um, and they all have kind of sets of behaviours and, and habits that help balance them. And that is the, for me, is the key of well-being, is that life comes at us and hits us with good things, with bad things, with difficulties. And if we're resilient and robust by the um, habits that we develop and ways of being and attitudes that enables us to navigate the difficulties in life and our attitude so that we don't kind of go into fight or flight or freeze and stay there. And so my children, my two of my children kickbox like I do. Um, I think they all meditate. They cycle, they run. We all walk, so we're a family that are big walkers. We all love walking. So we go on family walks together, we walk and talk together. Often if we have family conflicts, things that are difficult, we take them on a walk. We do them, we deal with them on a walk because being outside, having space to look at the ground, to say nothing, to think about things, to feel a lot of feelings without feeling stared at. Often you can express what you feel, get the difficulty out, name your feelings, be angry. Then through the movement, it helps you settle your body. And then you can reflect on what was difficult. So we use walks all the time as a device in our family to both feel close and have a nice time, but also to deal with difficulty. So now I'm walking along the lake 
which is really like a very big river. Um, it's in North Somerset. And here there's an arboretum with lots of big, oh my goodness, I'm bad at naming trees, but they're like American pines, big, tall, um, ooh, I don't even know, like very big, tall Christmas trees. I wish I was good at naming trees. It's one of the things I'd like to be able to name. So my children inspire me and keep me going. I guess I role modeled it for them. And then I learned that. Funnily enough, was where I first started exercising, I was about 18, was in the Pineapple Studios in South Kensington. And that's when I got the bug. And I learned that exercise, physically, physical activity, whatever it is, is incredibly valuable for my mental and physical health. That however bad I'm feeling, I always feel better if I get outside. And it may be getting outside walking, it may be get outside running, it may be cycling, maybe anything, but getting outside and being in nature, I find incredibly restorative. Think about what, when you're feeling stressed, I just trod on a stick. How do you combat your triggers? Think about what helps you calm down and clear your mind. So <laughs> I think I've partly answered that, but, ooh, there's a, a swan fighting, no, it's a goose fighting with the swan, territory fighting. They're nesting, they're all nesting. No baby goslings yet. That was a, a goose landing in the water and walking past a fallen down tree, which actually looks rather beautiful now, but it's sad it's fallen. It's in the storms. Um, so I don't think, funnily enough, combating my triggers is the right question. <laughs> Sorry to argue with you. I think we, our bodies trigger us and signal us for good reason. So we need to listen to the signals in our body. They're sending us messages. So like thoughts and words send emotions into our body. Emotions send us signals we pay attention to. So if I feel heightened, like I'm nervous, I'm frightened, I'm stressed, I'm worried, I try and work out and name what I'm feeling. Am I angry? Am I cross? Am I frightened? Am I all of those things? I try and tell myself the narrative, what's going on. I might write everything down. And certainly one of the ways I will then think about an active way of supporting myself through the stress or dealing with the difficulty is, is by walking. I may be talking to my husband, maybe to myself, and because I, I always want to 
not block what my body is telling me. Pay attention to it, listen to it. Allow it to have its say and come through me and then use it to deal with whatever is going on. When was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different? That is a really good question because this is something I am not very good at. I'm incredibly habitual and habits really work for me but I tend to stick to the same habits and I know that by trying something new is how we grow and thrive and kind of stepping out of our comfort zone. Ooh, but I have thought of something. So I am an old woman, I'm 61, 62 in a few months and I'm not really old woman, but I, you know, I'm quite old. And so I've never really been on Instagram except in the last year since I published my book, This Too Shall Pass. And I have never done Instagram Lives before this year. And I started them because I was getting a lot of messages from very distressed people in lockdown from COVID in March. And I thought the simplest, most direct way of supporting people who were, li or who were following me was to talk to them. And so I did some Instagram lives where I would just answer their questions. And then I developed asking guests who had particular knowledge and specialties or ways of thinking. And I've never done that before. And to begin with, I really felt uncomfortable. I felt hot afterwards. I felt embarrassed, I could never watch them. I still never watch them, but I really quite like them now. And that's about 14 months later. So I have done a challenge. I'm going to the other end of the lake where there is another dam and a waterfall. It's incredibly beautiful. Um, if you can imagine, it follows a double vaulted bridge with the water pouring over the side. You can see why I choose this walk in the morning. It's a really special walk. But I'm walking past it now, towards a gate. <laughs> When's the last time you cried? I cried last night. <laughs> I watched a programme on surrogates. I think it was called opening the gate by the way you're coming with me it's next to a tree that's grown into rock you can see all the roots like sort of um, blood vessels in a body like growing outside the rock nature is incredible so the last time I cried was watching the story of five surrogate families and seeing them people who couldn't have babies themselves, either because um, as women they had had miscarriages and stillbirths and they couldn't deliver a healthy live baby, or because they were a gay married couple so they couldn't um, grow a baby but they could, through surrogacy, be the parent to one, or others where the, the embryo was made by a different sperm and a different person's egg 
but then implanted in the surrogate mother. And I saw all those stories where there were months of infertility and finding a surrogate that would choose you. The surrogate has to choose the parent. They can't be paid. It's an incredibly stressful process. Watch them through their pregnancy. And then I cried when I saw them deliver their babies, which was so glorious and seeing the happiness on the parents' faces was the most joyous, moving, glorious thing. I think it is particularly powerful for me because for 25 years I worked in an NHS hospital supporting families when babies died or children died. Um, and so for 25 years, every week, I often saw babies that had died and the tragedy um, that that is and the devastation it causes families. So for me, seeing live births and joyous parents and healthy babies is like life spring in the moment, if that's the right word. Um, I don't think that is the right word, but anyway. It sort of wells up with joy and relief and happiness and um, makes me very happy and very tearful. So I'm walking on a, a sort of stone path now. I can see lots of dandelions, thousands of dandelions and beautiful trees and a stone wall. And I look over and see where the lake has become a river. So it's become the River Mells. And I'm going to ask my next question when I'm past the tractor. Hi. Okay, I'm walking over a cattle grid. You have to tiptoe so you don't fall in. Looking down into a field, I can see the river in the distance. Okay, what's one recent little win you're happy with? Um, well, actually, the thing I'm really happy with, which is a recent win. I don't know if this sounds too pleased with myself, but anyway, I'd like to be able to say that my recent little win is that I made a cake, but I really can't make cakes. They're always an inch thick and crusty. So I'd like my wins to be show myself as a domestic goddess version of myself, but I'm 61 and that version of myself has never appeared. So I've somehow probably got to reconcile with myself with the fact that she's probably never going to appear. So <laughs> where I put all my energy is in my relationships with my family, my friends and with my work. And um, a little win has been I, we started a podcast six weeks ago called The Living Loss and I love doing it. 
So I have done, I've been a guest on lots and lots of podcasts and I had done a podcast in 2016-17 for Griefworks, my first book. But this one felt different in the sense that I have learned how to communicate more clearly probably since then. I'm a bit more confident in interviewing and talking with people I don't know. And the win is that I'm proud of it. I listen to it and I hear mistakes that I made and things I'd like to have done differently. But overall, I feel like it's valuable for people to listen to. I've had a lot of feedback that people have written notes on it. They've learned a lot, new ideas for themselves and ideas for their mental health and well-being. And so that feels really exciting. And it was really fun. I mean, I'm a therapist. The thing I love doing is connecting to people and listening to them and talking to them and finding out what's going on inside them. And I had these amazing guests, most of which I'd never met before, who really opened up to me. And Elizabeth Day, Adwara Boa, Yoan Hari, Rahul Jandil, Dr. Edith Eager and Tom Bradby, just to name the names. And it was fabulous. I felt so excited after each one. And so that feels like a big win. Um, Another win, which again is a vastly big win, I hope you can hear me in the wind. I'm walking up a path now, up a road. Um, Daffodils either side, primroses, more dandelions. Daffodils are nearly over, but there are still some that are new. Is that my grandson who has been living in America all his life, and I didn't see him all of lockdown for a year, has come to visit us and he's getting to know me and I'm getting to know him and yesterday he said my name he calls me Bomber so he said Bomber and before that he couldn't really say it he's 18 months so that is joy of joys Oscars in grandparenting joys Made me so happy. Okay, you can hear me puffing. I'm walking up this hill. I feel a bit hotter. Loving the walk. Loving the birds. Loving being outside. And now I've come across wild garlic. And for those of you that don't know this one of our garlic, it's in the name, it smells of garlic, but they're white flowers, very beautiful, very strong smelling. And you can make wonderful um, sauces for pasta and things with them. Um, oh my goodness, there's bashing sounds now. So now I can see the beech trees are coming into flower. A car's driving past me. Some oak trees 
are completely closed, like no leaves at all. And others are really beginning. I guess it just depends where they are in relation to the sun and the warmth. But it is interesting. It shows that trees, like human beings, are very individual and follow their own seasons at their own pace, like we follow our own processes at our own pace and we can't hurry them. We have to let them naturally and organically flow and flourish. And I think if we did that as human beings, we'd be quite a lot happier. Anyway, what's the biggest life lesson you've learned in the last year? I think I've learned again more deeply what I already knew is that the primary relationships in my life are the things that matter to me most. So for the months that I didn't see my children and my grandchildren, I was, I was fine because I've got a husband who I really love. And so we were, I felt secure and safe and um, I was okay, but I really missed my children. I didn't meet my a grandson um, who was born in April for four months, maybe even five. And so it showed me how precious having time with the people I love is and how um, how I must never take it for granted, never want to take it for granted and want to kind of relish it every moment I have. And also my friendships. So, you know, I didn't keep my friendships going with lots of friends. I kept my friendships going with about four friends. And I think, honestly, we can't have more than about four maybe five really exceptionally close loving friendships because like family relationships, relationships require time, we need to prioritise them, we need to give of ourselves, be open and vulnerable and share about ourselves and dare to show ourselves and that takes time and I did that pretty regularly about how I was feeling, how I was coping. Often I took friends on a walk with me, talking. Um, as a family, we had family Zooms, which was a great deal better than nothing. Every Sunday, we met on Zoom. But my, oh my, I missed hugging them. And some people I know still haven't hugged their family. I, I couldn't have done that. So when I first saw all my children add up. My youngest is 31, nearly 32. In fact, 32 in about two weeks. They were a bit wary of hugging me, um, but there was just no way. I was not gonna hug them. I could not be with my children and not hug them. That just was not a possibility. So I forced them and we were luckily We've been very lucky. Only one of my children got COVID and she got it, you know, relatively minorly.
And so and now I've been vaccinated. And they're getting vaccinated because that vaccine programme is absolutely incredible. And again, having worked in the NHS, I feel so grateful to the NHS for everybody that works in it, giving of their, taking the risk for their own health to help our health. It's unbelievable. Um, is there another question? Ha! Huh. Complete the following sentences. Being healthy is being balanced when I feel kind of comfortable in my body, I've had enough sleep, I'm eating really well, I have enough fun in my life, I have enough work, connection, purpose and meaning. I think all of that goes to health, although that often we only think of physical health. But I think of health as holistically all of me, my mental, my physical, my spiritual health. And um, so getting those aspects of me met. I'm most me when I'm with people I love and who love me, when I can be most myself, where I can reveal myself in when I feel vulnerable, when I feel scared. When I feel really happy, I don't have to hide happiness for fear that it's going to make them feel cross with me or something. Uh, yeah, and I'm most me, obviously, being with people that love me, I don't feel they judge me. I feel like they listen to me and they listen to actually what I'm saying, not what they think I'm saying. And I listen to them. And we communicate openly and honestly and freely. And sometimes we sit in silence, we walk in silence. And that's really comfortable too. So, I'm now walking still along this path and I can see lots of cows. They are heading towards something. I'm not quite sure what it is they're heading towards, but they sort of follow each other. They're Guernsey cows, nice looking cows. They've come into the field because there's grass now. They were up on the farm. Um, being fed, but now they can come out into the fields, which is really lovely. And they're all now eating the grass. So I'm turning around the corner. So I've done a circuit and the best thing about my walk today has been Following the footsteps of my favourite walk where I feel really well and I love everything that I see. But also, answering your questions has been fun and made me think. And I feel like I'm talking to someone, which is slightly bonkers. Um, but in a way it isn't, because hopefully someone will listen. <laughs> and... I love being outside. I can feel the wind on my face. I can feel the sun on my face. I can hear the birds. I find nature, being in nature, incredibly restorative. 
And the big thing I love about it, which I get every time I go for a walk, and I got from this walk, is that we're completely interconnected, us and our planet that we're burning, and that we need each other, and need to respect each other, and that being nature is really curative. And the more we value it and kind of recognise its great gifts it gives us, I think the more content we are um, to put our own busyness down, to breathe in the air. I feel my hands are a bit cold because there's a bit of a cold wind, but that's lovely too. And then come back towards my front door and... There's a cherry tree here that I'm looking at that is still got flowers on it, blossom flowers. And that was planted in memoriam um, of someone important in our lives. So that is a very lovely thing to walk past. And one of the things I was thinking of doing was planting a tree in memoriam of this last 14 months, for all suffering for so many people, the deaths, the losses, the living losses, as well as the losses by death. And I wanted to mark it in some way that felt honouring and respecting the extent of the losses, but also felt important to remember because it is by honouring and remembering people who've died, what we've lost, that we adapt and grow through the loss. And having touchstones to memory like this blossom tree and the tree I plan to plant, I think is very supportive in how we adapt and grow through such a difficult year. Um, because it represents new life, as well as looking back at the past and how difficult it was. And holding both, like naming the dark and the difficult, but looking to the light and hope with the new buds and the new tree that we look to hope. is Hope is the alchemy that turns a life around. And we need hope, but we can't do it without honouring and naming what we've lost, what has died, what has gone. Um, we have to include it. So I'm home. I'm looking at my front door. I'm a bit reluctant to go inside because I've really enjoyed this. But I also have a client I need to, I have a session with that I need to talk to Thank you for listening. Gosh, Julia's walk had it all, didn't it? Lakes, waterfalls, boats, fighting swans. I actually wanted to be on that walk with her. I'm so keen to dig into Julia's interview with Vicky and Daniela from the health and wellbeing team. But before we get to that, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor, Sketches. Walk to Wellbeing is proudly sponsored by Sketches. 
Put a spring in your step with Skechers' range of comfort-boosting shoes featuring the very latest walking technology. The new lightweight, high-flex ArchFit range is designed to take great care of your feet, wherever your walk to well-being may take you. Over 20 years of data was used to create the amazing ArchFit cushioning insole, which is removable too, and provides complete foot and arch support for all day comfort. Shop the ranges online at sketchers.co.uk. That's S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S.co.uk, where you'll find thousands of shoes, boots, and trainers to bring you and your family style and support with every step. Vicky, welcome back. And Daniela, this is your first episode, so welcome to the podcast. Gosh, wasn't Julia's walk so lovely? I was actually super impressed that she started off at 6.30 in the morning. I'm not sure that I could um, get myself up and out that early. <laughs> I actually do that, Holly. I, I've been trying to do that for almost a year now. Um, and I can't tell you, getting out at 6.30 is honestly amazing. Um, I absolutely love it, especially now as well with the light mornings. It's just such a great opportunity to get a bit more vitamin D that we all need very much in our lives right now. I mean, I'm very impressed by that, but it's definitely not something I could imagine myself doing. Even though I know, like she said, it, having light in the morning can like help you sleep better at night and things like that, but I just would rather sleep in the mornings. <laughs> I mean, I'm more of a 7am girl, so maybe I could uh, switch it up a little bit and go half an hour earlier. <laughs> um, but I actually really loved that Julia was talking about um, the idea of ritual walking and going on that same walk regularly every day and how that could be a really positive habit in her day. And the idea that her whole body actually expects to feel good on that particular walk she's going on. Um, how like how do you girls develop any good habits? I mean, I I wouldn't think about doing that. I always because we often say switch up your walks um, to get like more benefits and things like that. But actually, because I often have felt bad repeating the same walk that I do, the same loop. Um, but it's I mean, it's the easiest one to, for me to do on my lunch break because it's just outside my front door but if I'm doing it on a weekend I'm like oh I should really do something else but I quite like the idea of having it as a ritual and it knowing that you're going to feel better after doing it because you've done it so often. I'm completely the same as you actually Vicky. I have a, a, a similar walk that I do every day pretty much and at the weekends as well and I feel like I should be doing something different. I've got more time today but it is that one walk that I always go back to. I think it is a comforting thing and having something I know is always going to be the same, I think is very reassuring for me. I think they're really good points that you've both raised there that we often get told to switch things up and change our routines, but actually um, having a, a ritual, a a daily ritual can be quite powerful and comforting and we actually have a feature in the June issue this month which is on sale now which 
tells you how potentially life-changing it can be when you make walking a daily practice and I think that's so true it can be really really joyful to go on the same walk regularly yeah agreed I love how she was trying to name the the trees and the birds and I feel like my dad's always testing me on things like that and I think it would put him to shame at the at the lack of knowledge I have for trees and things so I was um I was resonating with her when she said I wish I could know I wish I knew the the name of this tree but yeah I actually have an app for that so I um don't keep myself waiting I'll just <laughs> click on and try what and find out that? my curiosity gets the better of me, that with me. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called actually but it's you just take a picture of a tree or a flower and it will identify whatever it is so I couldn't tell you off my own back what it is I'd probably just say a tall one or a green one or a leafy one (laughs) Um, but yeah (laughs) it makes me sound more intelligent if I've got this up (laughs) I wonder if there's one for birds as well so I'm really trying to um learn birds do you mean like the the bird song or identifying the species just identifying them yeah identifying the species um yeah I mean around here it's mostly just seagulls but when I go to the river there are definitely more birds but I have no idea what they are I know Julie was talking about um all the swans nesting and where I am in Suffolk there are so many swans nests at the moment there aren't many signets that I've seen but um there are plenty of plenty of nests and I hadn't actually noticed that until I'd been doing my regular walks in the past year um so I'm sure they're here every single year, but I just had been too busy to even notice. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that she was saying how physical activity is so beneficial to her mental health as well. I think that's something that a lot of us have really learnt over the past year. And like you said, Holly, looking around you, being present in your walk and actually noticing things that you might not um say for example if you're in four walls of a gym or um or working out inside for example so yeah it is just it is lovely to to be able to be in the moment and be mindful and I think that has such such amazing benefits for your mental health definitely I think Julia touched on a really good point when she said getting outside and being in nature can be incredibly restorative and it sounded like it was for her on this interview actually yeah I agree um I like what she said about how there were certain points of her walk that she could connect to like on a personal level as well um like the steps that she her daughter had found oh yeah I loved that Sophie's steps (laughs) (laughs) yeah um the like where I live is where a place where my gran used to come on holiday a lot so I've got a lot of photos of her standing outside the lighthouses that are here um, so when I walk alongside them, that's something that really connects me to her, which is really nice. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I think I think walking has become such a, a grounding experience or exercise for lots of people, especially over the past year. And when she when Julia was talking about welcoming those feelings such as stress or anger, I really liked how she was kind of embracing those feelings rather than putting up like a barrier of resistance and I feel like we have the same coping mechanism to 
release those feelings because she's mentioned that she liked to speak to her family and I feel like I I do the same and it really really helps me to do that um if I bottle things up people know straight away and I think it's really I think it's really common for people if they ask to say nothing to if someone says what's wrong um so I think I think talking about those feelings and just letting them in acknowledging them can be really positive definitely and I loved when she was talking about how she deals with family conflict um, they'll all go on a walk together and express whatever it is that's bothering them and then they haven't got the pressure of being sat opposite someone and you know you don't feel as judged I think when you're walking side by side with someone and I feel like you're maybe a little bit more free to get your emotions out and say what you need to say and it doesn't feel maybe as scary when you're walking side by side with someone yeah I definitely wish we'd used that when I as a child in my family rather than just (laughs) argue around the dinner table (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think um I think there'll be a lot of families that would have a more harmonious um home life if they just dealt with it on the uh on the walk rather than around the table (laughs) and I loved um what she was saying about listening to our bodies as well and listening to what that's trying to tell us and you know if we've got a feeling that's coming up for us maybe not pushing that down not trying to fight it and just leaning into that feeling and naming it and surrendering to it which is something that I'm trying to do more of myself yeah it's not something I'd really thought about before it's for me if I feel stressed I always think oh how can I alleviate this feeling but actually but really should dig into why I'm feeling like that and maybe figure out how I can not feel like that in future in similar situations rather than just trying to block out the feeling completely yeah I think we're always told aren't we you know, if you're feeling stressed, like here's some tips to feel calmer straight away when actually perhaps we should be doing what Julia said and identifying why are we stressed in the first place and then perhaps we wouldn't get to that point at the next time. I also thought it was really interesting when Julia was talking about kind of re- welcoming and embracing those feelings instead of resisting it because I think if you think back to when you were younger, you were kind of allowed to have those tantrums and let those emotions out and you were able to move on from them quite easily. And I think it's similar as well to the question about trying something new. I feel like children children don't have any fear, so they are literally able to try anything and do anything without the fear of failure and I loved how she, you know, was evolving with the whole situation at the moment with her Instagram lives. And I think it was brilliant how she thought of that as a win because we're all we're all learning as as we go along, especially when it comes to social media. There's always something new to learn. And I feel like she thought her age held her back a little bit. So I loved how she was celebrating that. Oh, definitely. And if you've ever watched any of Julia's Instagram lives, um, you'd know that her 
age or her ability doesn't hold her back at all they're fantastic um and I found it really surprising that she was quite embarrassed to do them at the start but actually now she feels like she quite enjoys them now um I mean 14 months later but (laughs) um, yeah I think it's about the fear of being vulnerable and being so exposed and especially especially online I think it's a very scary thing for for all of us to first of all have that conversation but then perhaps broadcasting it to thousands and millions of people is something that is very scary but once she once she was able to do the first one I mean I know she's not comfortable with listening to to them back but it sounds like she's got into a great swing of things a bit like this podcast (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I found it interesting that it took her a while to answer or think of an answer to when was the last time you challenged yourself and that she was quite open in that she is a creature of habit and she does even though she knows that doing new things helps you grow she was quite like okay with not coming out of her comfort zone which I think again is something that we as humans are kind of told not to do like you shouldn't stay in your comfort zone you should always push yourself push yourself but actually having a habit again as she went as she mentioned before is a good thing or can be a good thing yeah I think I read something the other day that we're always being told to step out of our comfort zones but actually we should be befriending it yeah I mean it's called the comfort zone for a reason isn't it it's clearly somewhere you're comfortable in being and you're good at whatever you're doing in that zone so maybe we should embrace it more no completely I I think striking the right balance between stepping out of your comfort zone but also having those routines and rituals that you know are best for you is really really important and I've learned that from a lot of people who I've interviewed actually that balance and moderation are so key um, especially in a holistic kind of way definitely and I loved what Julia said about nature and the old oak trees and how um, you can't hurry their like progress and you just have to they just go with the flow and how if we humans lived a little bit more like that then we might be a lot happier yeah absolutely and when she as soon as she mentioned the wild garlic I could just smell that immediately (laughs) and I've been really wanting to make wild garlic pesto actually because it's having it's having a real moment on Instagram at the moment I've been seeing lots of people making it and I know we have some um I'm in Kent and we have a lot of wild garlic and I'm very tempted to go and pick some but it is by the side of the road a lot of the time. So I'm not sure what people will think of me doing that. But I could just, as soon as she said it, I could just smell it and it smells amazing. <laughs> I'm sure it would smell amazing in a pesto. I think go for it. You should speak to um, <laughs> Stacey from the team who's um, actually been foraging for wild garlic recently. So I'm sure she'll have loads of tips for you. Amazing. <laughs> I will hit her up. Okay, so I'm going to... Um, talk about my key takeaway from this interview but as per last week I'm gonna put myself last again so Daniela what was your key takeaway that you're gonna take away from today's interview? I loved how she had a realization that the primary relationships in her life were so super important to her and 
being able to reconnect with the people clo- people closest to her has really benefited her health and well-being. Definitely. I think we can all take that away from this year. And I actually found it really interesting that she said that we only really have four or five key friendships that we can keep on track of. Um, and I think that's something that I found during lockdown as well, that that's probably around the amount of key friends that you can speak to every day sustainably and know everything about what's going on in their life. I don't know about, about you, Vicky. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, there's definitely been friends who I've fallen out of touch with, um, but then also friends that I've had even more time for. Like I've, I think I've probably spoken to my uni friends more this year than I saw them in person, like probably in 2019. So yeah, it's been really good for that. And what about your key takeaway then, Vicky? Um, I really loved what she said about how being healthy is a balance between feeling comfortable in her in her body, but also having enough sleep, having good food, but also having enough fun and enough connection and meaning and purpose, which is something I think we don't maybe prioritise enough, but actually is really, really important. Yeah, and I think health and wellbeing can sometimes be um, quite serious. Um, you know, what do we eat? How often should we exercise? And actually, I think maybe we should be injecting a little bit more fun into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's wellness in general has come become quite overcomplicated and people think I don't have enough time to meditate or I don't have enough time to cook really good food but sometimes it really just does count come down to the basics of have you had a good night's sleep have you had a chat with a loved one today or some kind of connection have you moved your body today and I think a holistic overall approach to health is is really amazing and something that Julia is doing incredibly well yeah have you done something that makes you feel good at the end of the day and um, what about you holly i think for me i loved that she found the favorite part of her walk today was following in the footsteps of her own favorite walk and that we should put down our own busyness and just breathe in that fresh air and reconnect with nature and appreciate you know that that favorite walk and that feeling that your body has when it's on it as well and like you said earlier it's you know we're we're often told to you know change our routine and actually should we be thinking about ritual over routine and I thought that was there was something quite special in that so that's that's definitely what I'm going to take away from today And I love that we're ending on such a hopeful note and Julia's advice to follow in the footsteps of her favourite walk. And I actually can't wait to get back out on my favourite walk. And I've absolutely loved chatting to you both and hearing from Julia today. So a huge thanks from me to you, Vicky and Daniela, and of course, to our brilliantly thought-provoking guest on this podcast, Julia Samuel. But most important of all, though, thanks so much to you for listening. We've got loads more fantastic, fascinating guests coming up, and we can't wait to share their wellness journey with you. And so until next time, 
from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team. Stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to giftstoyou.com forward slash APOD1. That's A-P-O-D and the number one to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walk to wellbeing And you can even download exactly the same list of questions that you heard our guest chat through earlier in this episode. You can record your very own Walk to Wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today.